Live from Chicago, this is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Democrat Michael Bauer, Art Sear from Carthage College, Republican Jeannie Ives, and Democrat Roberto Montano. Our program tonight coming to you from our home base at the Museum of Broadcast Communications in Chicago, where our toll-free lines are open at 1-800-723-8289. That's 1-800-723-8289. If you'd like to email me a comment, it's Bruce Dumont at museum.tv. If you want to tweet me a comment, it's at Dumo, at D-U-M-O. You can join us on the World Wide Web to watch and listen to this program at beyondthebeltway.com. And if you miss it, you can always find it there. And again, you can also watch us live on Facebook. And again, uh, that's the uh, Beyond the Beltway, Bruce Dumont, Facebook page. And also, you can watch us on YouTube. Wherever you're listening in the country, you can watch the video version of the program uh, live every Sunday night. Full two hours. We've got lots to talk about, as we always do on this program. <laughs> I want to I begin with, 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 a, uh, uh, with a personal reflection. And I want to get everybody's reaction. And I'd really like to, to get reaction from people listening around the country, whether you agree with what I'm about to say or not. But... You know, last Friday, when uh, the big legal news came down uh, involving uh, President Trump, I think that one of the things that, that kind of uh, shocked me is I, I, first of all, was watching Fox News. And uh, Jonathan Turley was there with Brett Baer, and they, they went on for well over an hour explaining what was happening. And it was a difficult story to follow, I thought. Then I flipped over to CNN and Jeffrey Tubin was there, as well as some other officials. And they were explaining the same thing with a little, little different slight slant, if you will. And when I was watching, I spent almost two hours watching this description with lawyers talking to lawyers. And, and my eyes began to glaze over. Now, I love politics. I think I follow politics you know, fairly well. But I was blown away by the by the confusion, the the way that it the, the the words can be interpreted, and you know the Southern District of New York and Michael Cohen and all the names involved, and I'm wondering, have we reached a point where the vast majority of the American people don't really grasp what's going on? Jeannie Ives, do you agree with anything that I've said, or I'm all am I all wet? No, I, I don't think you're all wet. Um, we just went through an election cycle in um, in Illinois where I don't think a lot of voters grasped what was going on either. I know mean, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this yeah. as a Republican, but honestly, some of the issues are so detailed, people's eyes do glaze over after a while. I know you're talking about nationally what's happening with Trump, what's happening with the Mueller investigation, and I think that you've got to look at the broader picture here. Uh, you know, people still largely support Donald Trump and what he's doing on a policy front. Um, and they doubt, there's so much d- doubt that has been now put into play in Mueller, in James Comey, and Peter Strzok, and his girlfriend Lisa Page, and how they came up, came up with this dossier and how the Clinton campaign paid for it. There is so much confusion out there, yet the underlying um, 
I think feeling is, is that this was some sort of ginned up investigation who should, and, and an investigation that should have never even been started. Uh, and I, I think that their people are going to stick with Trump through and through on this Mueller investigation. Michael Bauer, let me ask you, has the level of confusion reached a point where it, it may not have a, a political winner? Well, the level of confusion last Friday that we saw was because we were dealing with legalities. And, and much of what came out were indictments and, and, and plea agreements that were heavily redacted. Yeah. So we don't were you, really were know. you following along? Were, I, I, were your eyes glazing over? Yeah, my too? eyes. Well, my eyes weren't glazing over. My eyes wanted to have X-ray vision so <laughs> I could read through the redacted <laughs> portions. Right. Because we all want to know what's in that. Now, the problem is right now we really don't know a lot of the, the whether, whether and what is there there. All right, because so much is redacted. So. Unlike Jeannie, though, I think this investigation still has legs. I think there are important things to investigate. Um, I, 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 we were talking before we started the show, and I said, you know, from my perspective, this talk about impeachment is way premature. Um, uh, but I'm a great believer that um, Mueller should continue the investigation. And, and, and frankly, I, I expect that there are going to be public hearings akin to Senator Sam Irvin's hearings of uh, Watergate in May of uh, 1973. Art Sear joins us from Carthage College. Uh, Art, has this reached a level of, of confusion to the American people that maybe there isn't going to be a clear political winner or loser when this is all over? Well, it's highly political. I think that's your most important point at the very end there. We're talking really about political conflict rather than legalities. Uh, an awful lot of what passes for news nowadays is really speculation and entertainment driven by ratings and dollars directly not indirectly, and that's why there's so much noise. But the fact that there is so much confusion, as you put it, may reflect the fact that the government, the, f the federal investigators haven't really come up with anything that touches the president directly. The political intensity, though, will increase since the Democrats now have the House. But breathlessly, uh, what they were saying Friday, at least on CNN, was that, that this does touch the president. The, the Southern District of New York and the investigation into the, into the hush money, uh, it, that it does touch the president. Well, that's Roberta, CNN. Of what, course what, they're going to say that. <laughs> Roberta, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts? I don't think there's a lot of confusion about the fact that Manafort violated his agreement. Uh, he's going to jail. I think that Michael Flynn cooperated on three separate accounts, and they were very clear in, in expressing their gratitude for his cooperation. And Cohen's in trouble. Cohen's in big trouble. And when, and when your fixer's in trouble, look to the boss. The consigliere is not going to go down by himself. Um, my opinion, how is he going oh, to go but, down? But, in your view, how does Donald Trump go down? Well, we're going to beat him in the polls. We're going to beat him you know, the way that we, we, we should beat him, not through impeachment, but through the political process by reminding people. And we've already seen that. I mentioned earlier uh, as a sidebar that uh, President Trump endorsed 31 candidates in the House and 28 of them lost. That's over a 90% failure rate. Now, he did better in the Senate, but the people have decided, the GM people, watch how Ohio votes next time. It's a key state. Well, Jeannie, I'm going to get Jeannie was waiting for the second. No, I mean, look, at you're talking about Manafort. Well, Manafort's, you know, dealings were his own dealings. It had nothing to do with Russian collusion, nothing to do with, with Donald <laughs> Trump. Cohen, Cohen's been a fixer for, he's in trouble himself just for other his own dealings. And then you've got uh. this possible payoff to 
um, you know, Stormy Daniels, but even that would, wouldn't be any different than what John Edwards did, did when he was under the same sort of level of scrutiny using campaign cash ostensibly to pay for his mistress. Now, we're not even allegating that, you know, Donald Trump did that, really. So that is not – what was the crux of the Mueller investigation about? Russian collusion in our political process didn't happen. Didn't happen at least on the Republican side. Possibly on the Democrat side. We'll find out. We're going to get reaction from everybody else. 1-800-723-8029 from coast to coast and border to border and around the world. And beyondthebeltway.com, I'm Bruce Dumont. Are you planning for the day when you can retire to your dream home in Palm Springs, California? A day surrounded by spectacular scenery, golf courses, a rich cultural life, and great dining? If you are, you'll need a guide, someone who knows where to look, an experienced broker, someone who knows the desert communities of Southern California and all they have to offer. That person is Brian Beard, who's been making dreams come true for over 13 years, selling over $100 million in real estate, including celebrity and architecturally significant homes to the rich and famous, and more importantly, to people just like you. Brian's company, Caldwell Banker, has agents worldwide, but Brian Beard is your man in Palm Springs. Call Brian now at 760 760- 799-7096. That's 760-799-7096. Or visit him online at BrianSellsTheDesert.com. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Again, uh, we've got a uh, response uh, via the Internet here. Uh, There's no confusion. They're out to get President Trump, and they will say and do anything to bring him down. If they can't impeach him, they will muddy him up and hope he will lose in 2020 because of the mud they're slinging. There's no campaign violation for paying those women to be quiet because it was paid out of personal money, and that's not illegal. Anybody okay, respond? Yeah. I agree. Uh, let's just let's just talk about the Stormy Daniels, the the the, the, the woman. The two payments. The two payments. Yeah, two payments. Right. To to these two women, who who, who allegedly had That's affairs. That's my answer. Who right. cares? Uh, uh, Go ahead. Let now. me try saying this. Okay. Even if it's illegal, violated federal campaign contribution and expenditure laws. To me, that does not rise to the to the bar of high crimes and misdemeanors on which you would base impeachment of a president. It just doesn't, all right? That, that you know, I, I mean, I'm talking about a high bar. So let me, let me ask a political okay. question. I want to get Jeannie's response to it, and I think I know, but I want to get everybody else's response to it. Are the payments to those women, which may not reach the, the, the high crimes and misdemeanors that we're talking about here, do they still have a political clout that a lot of women dislike Donald Trump. They dislike Donald Trump for those payments to women when he's cheating on his wife. And is that one of the reasons why a lot of women, Jeannie, don't like Donald Trump? The, the suburban women, we, you, you, you're a suburban woman. Is there any, is there any connection between the, the way in which women do not like Donald Trump and going back to issues of, of infidelity and, and paying off uh, mistresses? 
look, we don't like it. My husband doesn't like it. Uh, we, we don't like the infidelity stuff. But the, the choice in 2016 was Donald Trump, who had policy objectives that were in line with what I wanted, and then Hillary Clinton, who I felt was a very corrupt politician. But if so, the Southern District of New York is going after that case and going after Michael Cohen for making payments that Donald Trump, first of all, said he didn't know about it, then he obviously knew about it. Is, is that an issue that is, is used as, 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 as part of what Roberto no, the, was look, saying? No, the suburban it's, it's women the part are, of the campaign no. of 2020, and we're never going to let anybody forget the payments to those two women. No, I think isn't it's not. Isn't, isn't, that isn't that your plan? The principal purpose of these payments was to affect the election. And so the justice— to, to sh- Well, to shut them up, and by shutting them up, it can affect the election. J- uh-huh. Justice is saying that the president directly ordered criminal activity— what that activity was is almost irrelevant. But he was telling his fixer to commit a crime. And that's what the issue is. Why is that anything different than if you have a business and you're maybe going to be sued? And you don't, maybe, maybe you don't necessarily agree that you should be because sued. Because you've got to disclose that. But you're that. just going to. Your, because there's a law, no. campaign finance disclosure. It didn't come from his campaign finance. It came from personal money. So you're, you're in the middle of, you've got a big company. You've got a lawsuit going on. You don't want any noise during, the law, during your election. So you decide to just settle off on the lawsuit to make it go away. What is wrong with that? There, there is nothing wrong with it. in the election. It's not just a business transaction. It's about public trust. It obviously was a business transaction between Donald Trump and those women. It's, it's illegal. Art, Sir, I want to get Art, illegal. Art Sear, I'm looking at you and you, it's you not look, illegal to pay people. You look it is to pay them off. disgusted by the conversation. No, I'm not disgusted oh, by so the conversation. So how do you and, and, and those in academia, in academia, how do you view this part of the case being made against the president, either politically or uh, now in a, in a court of law? Well, I mentioned speculation earlier, and that's what the media does, and that's what we're doing. Ms. Ives made an important point, among others, early on, John Edwards, insofar as there's case law in this kind of thing, uh, it should be reassuring to the Trump people because he, on a series of federal charges, was acquitted on one and had a hung, hung jury on five more. And in that case, he was using campaign money. As Ms. Ives pointed out, the president was using his own funds. So we don't know if it's illegal or not. And I certainly don't look disgusted. Never on your program, Bruce. However, <laughs> we're, we're engaging in the same kind of endless, rather pointless speculation that so much I of the agree. media does. And I uh, appear on this program because we usually talk about serious issues. Well, we and will it, talk about serious issues, but... I'm never disgusted, you, Bruce. No, but, I'm occasionally using, disappointed no, from no, my elevated using, perch. No, seriously. If, I am serious, Bruce. Are, Believe me, buddy, I'm using, serious. If people are using that case and, and all this legal stuff, which gets back to my reaction watching it on, 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 on Friday, if that's being used to lay the case to impeach the president of the United States, granted, there's no question that it's going to be used politically to make them look bad in 2020. I understand that's, that's, that's the fairness of, of politics. But in some cases, I think people are going to use that information to try to build a case for impeachment against Bruce, I don't think, I don't think okay, that's it. I think, I think what Michael Cohn pled guilty to in the Southern District of New York opens a door to him offering a great deal of testimony to the special counsel, testimony that 
Much of it is still redacted, so we don't know exactly what he's saying. And by the way, even if we knew what he was saying, we don't know that what he's saying is truthful or not. So those are two issues there, the substance of what he's saying and the truthfulness of it. But he may have information, including recordings, et cetera, that actually go to the issue of Russian collusion. Now, collusion may not be with Donald Trump. It may have been with other members of the Trump family or other people in the campaign. And obstruction. And obstruction of justice. Who knows? But again, we're all just speculating here. Well, the the Uh, most fascinating thing about the Mueller investigation is everything that's come out on the Democrat side related to the the fake dossier, the fact that they surveilled him falsely, the fact that they outed people's names when they shouldn't have. Wait a minute. I mean, all of this stuff is is a huge issue. You know. Top people from the campaign, including uh, Paul Manafort and Donald Trump Jr., have this meeting with, it turns out, a number of Russian nationals at this meeting. And and if they didn't feel that there was something wrong about it, why did they have to lie about it all the time, including in congressional testimony that is a felony for Donald Trump Jr.? We've got half a dozen guilty pleas. Like, that's not the Democrats. Yeah. Well, but but in the, in that particular case, well, it is they, obvious that we will that get to them. There was okay. There, there, <laughs> That's there, fine. There was obviously concern for a business deal, sure. which looked like it got stopped, and that mm-hmm. business deal was going on during the campaign, but it was stopped. Just like you know, Manafort was was fired from the campaign. He might have learned about some of this stuff, whatever whatever it was. But I think the one thing that's happened in the last year is I think raising the doubt about uh, Comey, raising the doubt about Mueller, the makeup of the investigative team, uh, you know, Peter Strzok, uh, his page, Miss Page, uh, his, his, his lover. Right. I mean, all of those things, I think, in the court of public opinion, I think have made a very strong case to a lot of people, not just Republicans, that this investigation stinks. That, it, that the, the, the thumb was on the scale of justice from the get-go by the people that were selected by Robert Mueller. And I think that's a case yeah. the Republicans can take, you know, to the, uh, to, to the, you know, to the, to the ballot again. Well, they got, they got clobbered in the midterms. Why would that make a difference later? Well, because a, when, they that, controlled, that issue, when they controlled everything. That issue was not brought to the fore during the midterms. You're right. The, the, they ran on health care, which the Democrats... It's the Democratic issue. Well, they did that, but also 45 <laughs> Republicans uh, didn't seek re-election. So, you know, you won 41 seats. Sure. So like important you're pick point. Up the now, that's an important point. But for the a good of, reason. Excuse me, the number of people retiring from the Congress, yes. that's important. Mm-hmm. It's just not worth it anymore. Right. You had right. a lot of right. vote harvesting right. going on in California, a whole no. new – right, a whole, you have a whole new, uh, you know, way to get votes in California, the – vote-by-mail uh, ballot initiative that the Democrats put in place where it was hugely successful. And actually, the Republicans at the national level failed to really message well on pre-existing conditions. I mean, the truth is that 45 states protected pre-existing conditions. 23 years in Illinois, before Obamacare came in place, we had a program that took care of the uninsured and, and those with pre-existing conditions. And we just never messaged well as Republicans. Sure. We failed to win that. We failed to win on tax cuts. When it comes down and everybody d- starts doing their taxes come January, people are going to understand that those tax cuts were meaningful to most people, uh, even in the state of Illinois. Just it's for the record, problem. open enrollment ends on the 15th, so please take advantage of it. It's not Democrat or Republican. We're both taking credit now, but please sign up for that if you haven't. 
I don't know I, about I wanna, taking credit. But. I want I want to switch gears and and art and, and go to you, and that is, I want you to give us your assessment of where things are uh, with the Ukraine right now, Ukraine right oh. now, and and whether or not the United States and this president are in a position to stop a further adventurism by Vladimir Putin. Uh, Yes, I think we are in a position as a strong member and the leading member of the NATO alliance, which has effectively held the line um, since the end of the Cold War and certainly during the Cold War when it was created. Uh, Putin is, I think, a strategic genius. He sits on top of a shambles economy, uh, a society that's ruled in part by gangsters, some of whom are his cronies. Uh, I dare say no one here, despite his enormous wealth, would want to trade places with him. Yet, he has replaced the United States as the principal leader in the Middle East and the Mediterranean and threatens to do so in Europe. He won't. George H.W. Bush, much celebrated rightly, um, at the end of his term, he and James Baker had established a dominant position for the United States in that region, not only through brilliantly executing the Gulf War, but through sustained diplomacy and leadership. Putin now has a working alliance with Turkey, with Iran. He's got a friendly relationship with Israel. It's incredible what he's been able to achieve. He must be one extraordinary operator. He plays a very bad hand extremely well. Summed it up. Exactly right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've got endless wealth and possibilities, and we fumble around constantly. I believe especially in the current administration. We've got a pause. We'll come back and talk more about that when we roll on. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us. Everyone loves vacationing in Florida. So why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sit cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe. Catch fresh fish for dinner. Even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Back in Chicago. Thanks very much for uh, joining us. Uh, let me mention, uh, folks, if I could mention uh, this. Uh, as you know, uh, Roberto, if you can let me get this plug in, I'd certainly appreciate it. I, cert- I, I wouldn't interrupt your show. Uh, as you all know, we do this program for the Museum of Broadcast Communications, uh-huh. and we do it uh, for the last year uh, with the celebration of Saturday Night Live, this great exhibit that we have at the museum. Uh, if you haven't come down to see it, uh, please come down and see it. And there's an opportunity for you this coming Saturday night. Uh, we are going to have our second annual Schwetty Ball. You know the famous Schwetty Ball routine on Saturday Night Live. We had a great one last year. We're having another one this Saturday night. It's from 7 o'clock to 11 o'clock. There's going to be an ugly sweater contest. There's going to be live karaoke bands. And you will be able to walk through and experience the Saturday Night Live 
uh, exhibit. Uh, there will be uh, there will be drinks. There will be hors d'oeuvres. There will be uh, cheeseburgers from the Billy Goat Tavern. It's $75 per person. It's a lot of fun. So if you do not have anything planned for this coming Saturday night, December 15th, all you have to do is to go to www.schweddyball.com. S-C-H-W-E-D-D-Y. B-A-L-L dot com. Schweddyball dot com. And again, uh, if you can't remember that, just go to the museum website as well, museum.tv, and we'll give you the information. But again, it's a fun time to spend Saturday night. And again, you get a chance to see uh, the Saturday Night Live experience uh, with a lot of people who love SNL. And uh, it's, a, it's a great party. Right now, I want to introduce or let them introduce themselves, our guests for this evening. And we'll start with Michael Bauer. Uh, I'm Michael Bauer. I uh, have a number of uh, charitable organizations I'm involved with, including being the co-chair of the State of Illinois Holocaust and Genocide Commission, and I'm very active in both local and federal politics. Hmm. Jeannie Ives. I'm Jeannie Ives. I'm a state representative out of the Wheaton area, a mother of five children, two of who are serving in the military, and we're happy the Army won. Very good. (laughs) And a question to you is, uh, you ran for governor in the primary. Uh, you did not win, so you were a lame duck state representative. How much work do you have to do between now and the time your term is up in January? Well, I don't, I don't have to do hardly anything if I don't want to. However, uh, there's quite a few projects I want to finish up. We're looking into uh, some investigations. I have some bills I've promised people I want them filed so that somebody else can pick them up. So I, I continue to work for my district every day. And your future? What are, what's in your future plans? I've not gotten, I don't have any future plans right now. I still have two kids in high school, and I'm looking forward to attending a lot more basketball games um, as mom. But but you you would like to run again, wouldn't you? I mean, the the assessment of your campaign was you had very little money, and you got, what, over 42% of the vote? Oh, no, we got over 48% of the vote. We came very close to taking out an incumbent. uh, So thank you for correcting me on that. But again, when you get 48% of the vote with virtually no money from a stopped position, you, you, can't, you can't try again, can you? Uh, well, we'll have to see. Illinois is uh, an interesting case in politics, and as we continue to possibly get more gerrymandered, it may be more difficult to win uh, particular seats, and so we'll just have to see what the future holds. I think that Illinois Illinois in a... Uh, you know, a tipping point at this point. The next four years are going to be very difficult financially. And so what I do plan on doing is I hope to uh, connect dots for folks around the state. I will be reaching out and building essentially a grassroots army of folks that are connected and doing peer-to-peer media sharing because we know that information moves voters. And we plan to share with them the right information that they may have been left behind by the legacy media, abandoned by the legacy media, and or just distorted. Do you think that Dick Durbin has outlived his effectiveness as a U.S. senator? Uh, well, I certainly don't agree with Dick Durbin, uh, specifically some of the attacks he's made on the military, the U.S. military. I'm not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of his grandstanding during the Kavanaugh hearings. I thought that was a disservice to all Illinoisans, um, and I don't appreciate his politics. So, you know, replacing him is job number one for the Illinois Republican Party. However, it's, it's, it's a difficult climb here in, in the state of Illinois that is uh, nearly uh, complete control. 
at the, at the state level by Democrats, and it makes it a much more difficult climb, especially with a party, a Republican Party in disarray. Yeah. But you're looking at it. I'm not, I'm not discounting anything in, uh, politically in the future right now, okay. but I'm not saying yes either. Roberto, tell us about yourself. My name is Roberto Montaño. I'm a Chicago realtor, and uh, I'm a Democrat. Uh, big fan of Senator Durbin's. <laughs> we would vigorously support his reelection, as he was a champion of the DREAM Act, uh, a lot of environmental policies. But he didn't get it done. Well, we're working on it. We're working on it right now. And, okay. he, and he was the first to pick up the banner, so we're not going to forget that. And so he would, he would vote for it if the, if the Republican Senate in the next two weeks, if they decide to bring up the DREAM Act and tie it to uh, the wall, uh, Senator Durbin would support the DREAM Act? I think the wall dies on, uh, on in terms of the Appropriations Committee. Um, that's the practical answer. Uh, my understanding of the Senate Minority Whip's uh, position is that the wall is off the table. Do you think the wall is off the table, Jeannie? No. Okay. No. I, I, I want to come back to that after we let Art Sear who's taking copious notes, introduce himself to the masses who are watching and listening tonight. Well, thank you, Bruce. My name is Art Sear. I work at Carthage College just above the border in uh, Kenosha. I'm the Claussen professor, and I, um, uh, I'm responsible for the Claussen Center for World Business. Tom Claussen is one of our graduates from a while ago who ran Bank of America and also the World Bank. Okay. Let's go, let's go back to uh, what is likely to happen uh, with Republicans still in control. The president has said that uh, maybe the government needs to be shut down if he doesn't get his $5, million, $5 billion for the wall. Jeannie, you support that idea? Well, first of all, it's, it's not a true shutdown. It's not like government stops right. at all. People still get their Social Security checks. The military is still going to be operating. Uh, Medicare is still going to be there for the seniors. Two-thirds of our budget is basically on autopilot anyway because it's all just uh, entitlement spending. So, And you've got the military. So, And they've passed additional appropriation bills already. So it's a partial shutdown of a partial bu- shutdown. I mean, it's just a... It, you know, I don't know. Uh, to me, it's it's a little bit. If he's going to make a point uh, over shutting shutting down the government over the wall, how, what's the fix to that? What is the fix? I I don't understand the fix. I think he's better off just um, just relentlessly pursuing the idea that we should at least start building the wall. And I think that that is well over a fifty percent issue in the state or in the country. Michael Bauer, you were on this program uh, well over a year ago. Yes. And I think you and I, we were, it was the night we played, what if we were all U.S. Yes, senators? Yes, yes. And you and I, <laughs> yes, yes. and you and I, we, we reached, uh, we reached a consensus we made a with deal. us. Yes. And the deal was the, the, the DACA folks are going to, are going to be taken care of. They're going to get a pathway to citizenship and the wall is going to be built for $5 billion. Right. And we said, that's okay. Yes. A year ago. Can the Republicans pull that off now? <clears throat> I don't think so. Why not? Because <coughs> um, you two are I, I, not in Washington. Well, first of all, I, right. I, I was watching John. Mitch, Mitch O'Connell. Well, I was watching John Thune this morning, who's going to be the number two Republican in the Senate in the in the new Congress. And John Thune was saying, even if there's a shutdown, 75 percent of the government has already had its appropriations bills passed. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so any sort of leverage is, is highly limited. And 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 I that think with point. the fact yeah. with a large Democratic majority coming into the House. Oh that 
that I think the Democrats are no longer interested in giving Trump uh, any funding for the wall, something that they probably would have done a year ago to make a deal with FDACA, but they're no longer willing to. And I think so that's a mistake. It, so Setting up for 2020, I think that's a mistake. Okay. I think it's a mistake for them because I think that's part of the reason that Trump won in 2016. I think people believe in the rule of law. I think people believe in border security. And I think it is more than a partisan issue. I think that it is universally agreed that we, that we need to protect our borders. And I, I, so I think if, if the Democrats are, are going to be— No, they're not protected. They're protected. If the Democrats are going to be obstructionists <laughs> on this issue— then I think that they're going to have a problem in 2020 no, I on think, this issue. I, th- I think the president right now is – I think the president, with, with a couple of weeks to go, I think he's got to push for this mm-hmm. because if he doesn't build the wall and doesn't even get the money for the wall, what is his answer going to be? Hey, I gave up. I gave up because the Republicans didn't support me. The Democrats certainly aren't going to support him, as you're right. The, you know, the, the trade-off against, uh, against the DACA people, I mean, that's going to, that's going to mean nothing to, to the next Republicans in the Senate or House. I mean, he's got to drive that bargain now. And he should say to the Democrats, if you really believe that, that the, the Dreamers are important, we're going to help the Dreamers. The reality is the Democrats don't want the president to get any credit for not only building the wall, they don't want Donald Trump to get any credit for helping the Dreamers. If the wall, I mean, Dick Durbin's been talking about this for five years. If this was so damn important, why wasn't it done on Barack Obama's watch? He was the president when this whole thing started. Well, we had limited political capital. We had the financial meltdown to deal with. We had other issues to, to deal with. That came late. That was early in his administration. The other stuff came late in his administration. The reality uh, no, is the, president the DACA, not have a the DACA kids only, the DACA, and they're not all kids. DACA they're only doctors, be, they're doc, teachers, they're police officers, DACA they're lawyers. Be, listen, DACA only became important when the Republicans took control. You could care less about those people prior to that. That's you know, not Bruce, true. Bruce, I'm one, I'm one of those people who has been highly critical of, of Obama's first two years yeah. when there was a strong Democratic majority in the House and a, and a filibuster-proof majority in the Senate for a period of time. And immigration is one of the issues that we should have pushed on hard, and, w- and we failed to. we got to pause. 1-800-723-8289. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City, just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. At HiltonUniversal.com, they let you be the star in Hollywood. 
Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thank you very much for uh, joining us uh, this evening. By the way, let me just mention for those who are watching on television, uh, I should mention a couple of things. I've got a little uh, uh, dealing with a little uh, skin cancer, so if I look uh, exceptionally blotchy tonight, I'm, uh, the doctor has said that you know if I do that for three weeks, uh, all the blotchiness will be gone. So I just want to mention that in case uh, you're asking yourself about it. Something else I just want to take uh, for a moment, and, and that this, is a, this is an appeal that I'm putting out uh, regarding a fund me, GoFundMe campaign uh, that I have started for this program. And if, if you're listening to this program on radio, and we're on 35 markets all over the United States, including a Sirius XM satellite radio, uh, the way that uh, you get this program, we do this program every Sunday night from the Museum of Broadcast Communications in Chicago. And the signal that we have, we send it to uh, Westwood One in New York. And then they, in turn, send it out to all the stations. And then they download it and they put it on the air uh, every Sunday night. And it is on those stations, uh, as well as Sirius XM Satellite, where you get a chance to hear this program every Sunday night. And we've been on the air for over 39 years now. Uh, the costs of producing the program are getting uh, a little bit beyond my abilities. And so I am asking people who uh, appear on this program, and some people have already responded, as well as uh, those out in Radioland. If you would like to help this program, you can go to, go, my, go to the GoFundMe page. You look up GoFundMe, then you get to the page, and you look up uh, Beyond the Beltway. It'll take you to all the information You'll know how much we're looking to raise, how much has been raised thus far, and every single penny of that will be used to pay for satellite time in 2019 to keep this programming on, on, on the air going to markets all over the United States. So if you are one of those who, who likes this program or you like it on Facebook or you like it on YouTube, wherever you like it, um, primarily it's for people that are listening to this program on radio, and we have them from all over the country, from coast to coast and border to border. If you'd like to keep, if you'd like to keep the program coming to you on a regular basis, uh, that's one way that you can help us do that. By the way, this has nothing to do with your local radio station. Nothing at all. Other, These are the stations that pull it down from the satellite every Sunday night. This is about the ability to have the satellite put the program in the air so your station can bring it down. So no complaints to the local station. We hope to be on the air for many, many years to come. But again, this is a GoFundMe campaign that would help me personally uh, uh, defray the costs of this program each and every Sunday night. And again, uh, we've been doing it for a long time. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the most enjoyable two hours I have all week. I surround myself with people who generally, at least 50% of them, disagree with me. Uh, we have discussions on a variety of subjects, and I think we even bring up some ideas that are not brought up by the shows that are based in, in New York or in Washington, D.C. So I think the uniqueness of the program is just that. It's been unique. It's been unique for 39 years. It needs a little help right now. And if you love the program, as I hope you do, go to the GoFundMe.com, GoFundMe.com. And then look up Beyond the Beltway, and you can help with the program and its distribution in 2019. Let's go to Bonnie listening to us in Crown Point, Indiana, and she's listening on Facebook tonight. Go ahead, Bonnie. Wow. Well, hello, everybody. Hello. Um, Hi, Bonnie. Listen. Well, you know, everybody's talking about this wall and funding the world. You know, if, if I'm not mistaken, 
the wall's pretty much already been funded because this new deal that was made between or the trade deal between us and Mexico opens up a lot of our businesses to Mexico, which will increase the, in, the revenues that come into our tax coffers. So essentially, the money will be rolling in just as a, just a matter of, of, of form. And so all it has to do is get taken from that bucket and put into the wall bucket. So the, the, the money's already there, essentially. You, Bonnie, you, you may be right, and that might be the, uh, uh, the, 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 the story that the president or the narrative that the president sells if he doesn't get his $5 billion, because he did say that he said somewhere in the end Mexico is going to pay for it, you're making the point that uh, now that NAFTA has been renegotiated, that may, maybe there's maybe the president is right about that. I just think that's going to be a very difficult narrative or case to make to the voters. Many of the voters, certainly the 62 million people that voted for Donald Trump, they want a wall. And they want the, the, the master negotiator, Donald Trump, to be able to deliver and, and hammer his way to get this done. And I think, by the way, between now and the end of the year, I think the president will take uh, – will, will shut down the government. You know, the rest of it will work operating uh, – will, will operate fine. But, again, the president, I think, is going to take this right to the end. I mean, he's got to do it. He's got to get that $5 billion while the Republicans are in control – and if he doesn't get it, the Democrats are never going to bring it up. Jeannie? Uh, look, I think that building the wall is a matter of whether or not you believe that we have the right to protect our borders and whether or not we expect people coming here th- that they come legally. And that's where the Democrats get it wrong. They think that, you know, there's no need to, to you know, why, why don't we just have open borders? Like anybody who wants to can just march across. Be come that. on in. Yes, you are. You're absolutely saying that when you say you're not willing to build, build a wall. That's exactly the sentiment that comes across from the Democrat side <sighs> is that you don't care about lawlessness. All the DACA absolutely people, do. go ahead, path to citizenship, really? Lawlessness. It's outright lawlessness. And I think that there should be some strict standards about who becomes a citizen, who doesn't become a citizen, how we do it. We're going to continue on this subject when we roll on. Also, we want to talk more about Ukraine and and what power our president has over Vladimir Putin. If, If the president stood up to Putin and said, don't do this anymore, would Vladimir Putin listen? I'm talking about incursions into other countries. Uh, Anyway, thanks very much for being with us. And also, on the political front, we just celebrated the life of George W. Bush. H.W. George H.W. Bush. H.W. Bush said, read my lips, no new taxes. That was the singular promise he made to the American people. He broke the promise, and he was a one-term president. I think every politician in America knows you don't break national campaign promises, especially when it's as big as those promises, like building a wall. I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly for Chicago. If you look hard enough, go off the beaten track far enough, you'll find an America teeming with the unusual, the odd, the downright strange. I'm Will Klinger. And I'm your guide on a package tour we like to call Wild Travels. Join us on our weekly road trip to see America's most offbeat and unusual attractions. Wild Travels, 
Available on your local PBS station. Or it darn well should be. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live. The experience. For the first time ever, get an inside look at the making of SNL. Critics nationwide are raving over 500 artifacts direct from the show. Be a part of Wayne's World, Weekend Update, and so much more. Experience all it takes to put the show together. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications at 360 North State Street in Chicago. For tickets, visit museum.tv. Everyone loves vacationing in Florida. So why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sit cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe, catch fresh fish for dinner, even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton, Anna Maria Island, Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. Just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. At HiltonUniversal.com, they let you be the star in Hollywood. Back. We've got some breaking news. Michael Bauer has uh, put his phone back into his pocket, but uh, what did that little phone tell you just moments ago? Well, apparently the president will be meeting Tuesday morning with uh, um, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer and uh, current House Minority Leader and soon-to-be uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi Nancy. Mm-hmm. to see if they can cut a deal to avoid a government shutdown. And what's interesting, I think, from my perspective, is that Schumer's probably more interested in cutting a deal than Pelosi is. Well, at, at this particular point, you know, the, the deal that allegedly was on the table, that, that both sides allegedly agreed to, that the Democrats say the president backed away from, mm-hmm. when it was, you know, the wall for the DACA, yeah, right. the exchange that yeah. we talked about, Senator Bauer figured yeah. out. Uh, the question that I would have at the moment is, he can't say that with anybody because to the Democrats now, because I think Nancy Pelosi, who wants to be reelected as the speaker, yes, and she has a, as she's got you know forty one new members of Congress. Right. I don't think they're going to they're not going to want to do anything to help Donald Trump. Well, they're certainly they not going to want to give him the wall that, because in their right. mind right. we'll find a way on our own time. 
where we'll deal with DACA. But we don't wait have a minute. To make that. Wait a minute. Look at some of the folks that she has been distancing, trying to distance her party from that are fringe, considered very fringe in their outlooks. Um, Ocasio Cortez, right? Is that her name? Omar. Omar. Oh. Uh, uh, they're all just, Omar, they're a little right. bit too far out there. And, and right. she's been trying to distance her party from that, knowing that it doesn't help them. They need a more centrist Democrat party instead of these fringe elements coming up. So she may want to cut a deal ahead of time so at least they can go out and say, look, we agreed. We got a deal on DACA. We got you what you wanted. Yes. And, and he, I think she understands that a lot of Americans do want some semblance of a wall, whether it's a physical wall a, uh, a wall that's that's otherwise with more visa. Do you think she could go back to San Francisco and explain to her own constituents yes. that she yes. provided money for yes, a wall? Yes, because when you've, you're an incumbent that long, you've got a lot of political capital okay. spend, and she can spend that capital on doing this and distancing her party from the fringe elements, which uh, she's been uh, trying Roberto? to do all of 2018. Yeah, no, no, she has. We have this great, great vibrant struggle within the Democratic Party between progressives and more centrists. And, but she's not distancing herself from anybody. She's saying you can be a different type of Democrat in different parts of the country. So what works in Texas might not work in You can't be a Vermont. pro-life Democrat. You Actually, can't be you a can. pro No, you can't. Lipinski the is the only pro-life Democrat, record, and you try to take him out in the primary. Democrats, there are multiple Democrats that are, that are pro-life. Not in the not and, in the Congress and Paris. The U.S. Senate there's two: one. Bob Casey and Joe Manchin. And Paris, both pro-life. The chairman of the party not in said Pelosi's that party. Ocasio is the future Pelosi's. of our party. So nobody is throwing anybody under the bus here. We are united. What, say that Challenge again. The only you pro-life. You think, you think she's the future of the party? I said that Who? Paris said that. Tom Paris. Okay, which he did. Well, so, do, do, do you agree with him? Do you, do I you think, first I, I think of all, she, why, why, why is the chairman of the Democratic Party never on television? Because he's working with the base. B.S. Look, we're, if we're, you're we're the chairman of the party, you make yourself organi- available. Organi- you know why? Because he Democrat. doesn't look good. He doesn't talk good and he doesn't look good. Well, he's winning elections. <clears throat> And yes, that's the job. yes, that's true. That's true. There's no question about we that. We won nine. I said it earlier. We won over ninety percent of the races that Trump played in in the okay. Congress. Over ninety percent. I want to. I, I want to go back to the issue that we're talking about here, and that is, can Nancy Pelosi now? Can she say something that gives Donald Trump again? They're going to have their their meeting right, this week. Right. Can the Democratic leadership on day one? Walk into their new their their new uh, uh, constituents and say to them, "We just made a deal um, in the, when the Republicans were in control, and we gave the president five billion dollars, and we gave a pathway to citizenship for the DACA." Are the DACA people and the Democrats are they going to be excited because the DACA I- issue has been done with, and all of these people have a pathway to citizenship, which you've been talking about for years? Or are they going to say, for God's sakes, why did you give that schmuck $5 I don't, billion? I don't think Schumer and Pelosi are in the same place. <laughs> Schumer's right. already been quoted right. as saying he'd give $5 billion dollars for the wall yeah. right. and, and yeah. return for a deal. And, but, but I don't think Pelosi will ever buy into that deal, point blank. I don't think a deal like that could even pass the House, right. even as its current uh, configuration. Because I think there are a number of Republicans who would vote against it for, for giving protections to persons covered by DACA, and there are a number of Democrats who have voted against it because it funds uh, partial funds the wall. What, matter, what matters to us is 
jobs. We saw GM closing plants. We care about the environment. We care about universal health care. That's a big deal to us. DACA is super important as well. It's not the only thing we care about, though, and there's a lot going on here. We're not going to trade a – I mean, this is a, this is a prank almost, this wall thing. No, we don't need a wall. We have a secure border. You don't believe. Do you don't believe that we need a wall. The majority of there's Americans 60, don't believe we need a wall. There's 62 million people paying who do taxes. Be- yes, there's 62 million people who believe that we need a wall. Donald Trump was elected because he said he wanted to build a wall. Well, Donald Trump was elected for a lot of reasons. That's he was a elected. Lot of reasons. There, 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 a lot there of was stories. one reason, but not stories. all 62 million people yeah. who voted for Donald Trump yeah. believe we need to build a wall. Donald Trump was also elected because, first of all, a lot of millions of people who voted for him did not like Hillary Clinton. That's That's true. That's true. And frankly, I think the issue of the wall, however you want to paint it, whether you're for or against, does not resonate with uh, 100% even 75% of the electorate. Different subject. Art Seer, I asked before whether or not Donald Trump could be tough on Vladimir Putin so that Putin's uh, adventurism uh, can be stopped and that we don't have another Ukraine or the Ukraine thing doesn't turn into a a further shooting war. Do you think Donald Trump has the ability to do that? Or or is he too much, is he worried too much that people are going to think he's going to be soft on on, on Putin because of all the, the, uh, uh, the discussions of the relationship between he and Russia? Oh, I'm sure he could be tough enough. Uh, the reality is he's been very reluctant to use force. That's another reason why he got elected. He pledged to pull us out of Afghanistan, and he devoted a rather lengthy speech, especially for him, to the nation and some detail for him, right. explaining why he felt compelled to go along with the forceful military arguments to stay there. I hope and pray that we don't have any kind of shooting war in that part of the world. But keep in mind we're at the 100th anniversary of the end of the First World War, which broke out precisely around there in the Balkans, around the Mediterranean. We We do have a very strong alliance, and I don't think even the current Germans would tolerate any kind of aggressive incursion by Russia. Jeannie, what's your take? You're you're a captain in the U.S., Army. Oh. At one point I was, uh, well, in fact, uh, served in Germany uh, when the wall came down under H.W. Oh, Bush wow. and went in under Reagan under his whole mantra, peace through strength. We're going to, you know, Mr. Gorbachev, tear, tear down, this, down wall. this wall. So when, uh, you know, you put uh, action behind words, you get results. And Donald Trump is of the same type. He's he's going to, you know, send a message and he'll take action if need be. So. I don't, I don't know. I think that uh, Trump is the right man at the right time to as a bulwark against Putin's aggression. And I think if it came to it, he would make, take a stand and Putin knew, would know that he's serious about doing something. We've got to pause when we come back. Another hot spot, Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. What's the president going to do there? Are you planning for the day when you can retire to your dream home in Palm Springs, California? A day surrounded by spectacular scenery, golf courses, a rich cultural life, and great dining? If you are, you'll need a guide, someone who knows where to look, an experienced broker, someone who knows the desert communities of Southern California and all they have to offer. That person is Brian Beard, who's been making dreams come true for over 13 years, selling over $100 million in real estate, including celebrity and architecturally significant homes, to the rich and famous, and more importantly, to people just like you. 
Brian's company, Caldwell Banker, has agents worldwide, but Brian Beard is your man in Palm Springs. Call Brian now at 760-799-7096. That's 760-799-7096. Or visit him online at BrianSellsTheDesert.com. Holiday music for you uh, tonight for the rest of the year. Gina, you were going to make a point about uh, the president. Yeah, you know, going back to the early conversation about whether or not uh, he's the right guy to stand up to Putin. I think actually what we're dealing with domestically will tell us a lot about what he can get done uh, as it relates to Putin. Because if he's seen weak on maybe not getting a border wall built, maybe not going for that, um, then I think that, you know, a man who was known to take action based on the words he said, like in Korea, for example, you know, mm-hmm. meeting with them, uh, like with uh, the tariff issues that are going on right now. You know, the guy is standing strong on tariffs until he gets a, cuts a deal with China. And you've got this 90-day window now where are you going to get a deal or not? I mean, think, I'm thinking through this. If, if he doesn't make those things happen, then Putin is going to lose a lot less respect for his ability mm-hmm to get things done. And so that, that may create a little bit of a problem yeah. for him internationally if he doesn't do things domestically. I correct. think also in, in looking to head to, to 2020, I mean, D- Donald Trump was a phenomenal <clears throat> candidate. I mean, he, he pulled off one of the great mm-hmm. upsets, uh, the greatest sure. upset in the history of the country. So, so what he did in 2016 is remarkable. Greater than, Harry, was, greater than Harry Truman in 48? No. Yeah, I think really? so. I huh. think so because it, Truman was at least – you know, uh, the incumbent president at the time. But I, I'm just saying, okay. to, you want to argue about that? We can argue about it. But certainly maybe, maybe Donald Trump, if he isn't Bruce. one, he's number two. I'll <laughs> defer to you, Art. <laughs> but my point is, it was because what Donald Trump was saying, it was all about his bravado. Oh, it was, right. And everybody bought into the bravado. They bought into the, the women. They brought into all the bad stuff that went with him, that he insulted people. I mean, he made... You know, he, he he picked on George Bush. He picked on George Herbert Walker. But picked on everybody. Picked on John McCain, and he still won. Okay, and you and I said earlier it may be just because it's 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 the degree of of hatred that people had for Hillary Clinton. But he did it. Now, when he runs in 2020, it's not going to be so much about the rhetoric of what he wants to do. It's going to be the questions about. The things that people knew about in 2016, now they have their own three and a half years to make an assessment of the guy. Is this a guy who really only hires the best and the brightest? How come his chiefs of staff never stay? I mean, all those things that are legitimate criticisms of him that he was able to just swat away in 2016, I don't think he's going to be able to do it in 2020. And part of it is, is he strong enough to get the wall he said he was going to build, or is he strong enough to do some of these other things that he said he was going to do? And I just think that at that particular point, the the hardline Trump voter is not likely to peel away from him but I do believe that some Democrats and some independents, maybe in large numbers, and maybe suburban women because of the, the women issue that he has, um, I think he has some serious problems. Because he's not going to be – his own words are going to be used to make an assessment of the guy based on fact, 
not fiction. You know, in, in 2020, it's going to be a presidential election that starts off like most presidential elections. And, and roughly 40% of the voters are going to vote Democratic. And 40% of the yep. voters are going to vote for the Republican candidate. All right? And, and give or take a few points. But yep. that's roughly the and, – and, and the fight is always over that other 20%. And however they define themselves and, and getting them out to vote, motivating them to vote. Um, I, I, I think Bill Clinton said this, and he said it so well. The American public would always rather vote for someone who they perceive as strong, even if they see that person as, as wrong, rather than someone they perceive as weak, even if they see that person as right. But they don't like a liar. They don't like somebody that well, breaks He's not word. a liar. He, well, he is absolutely not a liar. Look at the plants in Ohio that are shutting down. 20,000 jobs leaving, evaporating. Like, those are going to have – and by the way the, – Look, the, the it's yield, our, why, why did we bail out GM before? The yield curve's inverted. The, the economy's slowing down. You can see it in real estate. And we're moving well, into recession, unfortunately. Yeah. We don't wish for yeah. that. Right. But when you go into a recession in an election year, that's bad for the incumbent. You, you are sitting as a realtor in Chicago that has the slowest housing market in the nation and has had the I, slowest housing market in the nation. Exactly. My point is you're dealing with Chicago. That is not what's happening in the rest of this, the United States. You have to have a broader view here. The economy we're, still is doing much better than it was under Obama at any point. Yeah. It's so got a sugar doing, high. We're, mo- we're uh, moving uh, to um, Sam in Austin, Texas. And uh, but you're listening to us on KTSM out of El Paso. Sam, are you there? Oh, this is yeah, yeah. I'm here. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I just wa- I just wanted to call in and ask the panel a question. Sure. And um, that was uh, you know, with regards to the wall, what what do they think the purpose is behind the United States uh, Border Patrol? I mean, <laughs> okay. Why do we have an agency that? And what is the purpose of that agency? Well, let's let Art start with that. Well, the purpose is to patrol the border and to maintain its security. What does As that mean know. specifically? I don't, I'm not an expert on the border patrol in detail, but they certainly do literally patrol the border. And thanks to electronic and surveillance. For what purpose? For what purpose, though? To keep people out who are trying to sneak into the United States. Oh, what's your point, sir? Exactly. Yeah, sure. so we do have you, a, do you think, don't let, think let we should finish. have a wall? No, if you don't think we should have a wall, then I think that uh, you should be against the border patrol as well. Not the if they're doing thinking. not if they're doing a good job. They can't do the job. There's there's too many people oh. trying to get into America illegally. Okay, right. And he's also you're making the point is you have some Democrats, not all. You have some Democrats who think they haven't called for the end of the border patrol, but they've called for the end of of ICE. Uh, the enforcement, another part of the enforcement of Border Patrol. Right. Again, it's, it's, it's kind uh, of like this. How do you feel about that? We want to have our speed limits, but everybody wants to speed. Well, no, that that's a good and point. Can you repeat that, Sam? With regards to, well, with regards to the border, it's a dangerous policy. It's one thing to do that with five or ten miles an hour over the speed limit, but it's another thing to do that with illegal aliens coming over here, having children who then go on a federal grant for 18 years of their life with a brand new American Social Security number and citizen to go along with it. What's your answer to that, Roberto? So, Sam, thanks for that. I was stationed in San Antonio. It's a great town. I missed the brisket. Um, my answer to that is that we spend more money on Border Patrol than we do on the FBI or ATF. And I think that there is an uh, important role that they play, but it's become a prop politically. And um, 
for example, with the endorsement uh, during the campaign. That was the first time that ever happened. Uh, I, I want to be clear that What's wrong with that? Democrats are not saying Democrats are not saying that we don't need to control our borders. What we're saying is that we need smarter policies that are responsive to the needs of our economy, to the, the our place in the world as, as a beacon of light. Well, what would you what do then? Happen, what what should happen do? to people who break the law? Right. What would you the, do to people who break the law? We, we would enforce prosecutorial discretion. Go ahead, Sam. No, I just wanted to know, unfortunately, the, the circumstance of coming across the border illegally or legally is a black and white uh, issue. It really is. And we want to act like there's nuances to it. And you want to say we need to do it smarter. But the fact of the matter is it just needs to be done. And it's unfortunate that people want to flee a country where things are so bad that they want to break the law to come into this country to find a better life. However... It's, it doesn't work that way. If those people were marching towards our border, screaming, screaming about how they want to make their own country better, I'd want to listen to everything they have to say. But all they're looking for are handouts from politicians that, that, that encourage that. Well, this whole thing has been encouraged by the promises of politicians. I'm not going to use the Republican or Democrat label on any of them. And politicians are the ones that are, are, are not just – they don't want to be the bad guy. And unfortunately, we have, you know, this, this uh, loudmouth president that, that stands up and wants to be the bad guy and is willing to say things that no politician has wanted to say for 30 years. Respectfully, Sam, we're a nation of immigrants. Immigrants contribute to this country. They're not here for a handout. They're here looking for work. Legal. What is wrong with Democrats that can't when, separate when legal immigration about, from illegal? Look at the look at the look it's at the a port, disrespect for law. Port of San Isidro. Okay, they came the law where they here. were supposed to not come, about. asking for asylum, and they shut down the, the port. They came to the legal place, followed all the rules, and that's totally within the rules. They asylum. passed through Mexico first, though, to get, and they should have what, stopped in they, Mexico they, because that's the way the UN Mexico looks at U.S. Tall, asylum. A, a that's fine. History of, Mexico of offered for them asylum. They, he, they Most offered of, a lot Catholics, of them. Catholics, we gave them food, we gave them shelter. I happen to be Mexican of descent. Um, however, when they got to the legal port of entry and legally asked for asylum, it threw our president for a loop. But the inter but international relations, it's the first country you go to when you ask for asylum. They should have asked for asylum in Mexico. Mexico didn't enforce their asylum laws. And you're a Mexican. You're American. I am, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Why aren't why aren't you upset with them? Why isn't Mexico doing more to solve this problem? Why is it our problem? Well, I'll tell you why. We have a, a duty, I think, to, to pay attention to this. A lot of the policies of our country, unfortunately, have destabilized regions that are now in turmoil, that are like Honduras, for example. Such as? Such like as? Honduras, Nicaragua. What have we done? So, uh, school, what have we done wrong? School of the Americas, uh, supporting, supporting dictators, and we, we've had a very difficult relationship. Giving the United States entirely too much credit for the instability, corruption, and violence of other countries in the world. We do have a right to pursue our national security interests. But you're going way overboard to blame the United States for these vast problems south of the border. We've got to pause. Sam, thanks for your call. We're going to be back. We're going to continue this discussion on the other side of this commercial break. From coast to coast and border to border and around the world on Beyond the Beltway, I'm Bruce Dumont.
Everyone loves vacationing in Florida. So why not experience it as it was meant to be? Where turquoise gulf waters meet tranquil island beaches. Feel the powder-soft sand between your toes. Revel in a glorious island sunset. Shop the boutiques of a seaside village. Ride horseback along tranquil waters. This is Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Real, authentic Florida, where you can discover an intimate downtown and sip cappuccino at a sidewalk cafe. Catch fresh fish for dinner. Even tour a working winery. Just minutes from all the rest Florida has to offer. Bradenton Anna Maria Island Longboat Key. Plan your visit online at BradentonGulfIslands.com. That's BradentonGulfIslands.com. Month back, we're and we're that. dealing with uh, the what issue of uh, those from uh, Central America who are coming to the United States, and uh, they're being held at the border. Um, and the question is, what can we do to deal with this group of people that would like to come to the United States? And again, if they if they seek uh, asylum, um, there's a long process. And a lot of people are concerned that during that long process, they get lost. They get lost in America, and we never track them down. So So one of the questions that we should be asking, by the way, that I never see anyone asking, is why is there such a long process to determine the validity of someone's application for political asylum? Why does this process go on not just for months but for years? You know, this is like the old DMV where you used to get your driver's license renewed, and you'd have to take a whole day off of work. Because it, it took you all day to get a driver's license renewed. Mm-hmm. And now in Illinois, it takes you 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Immigrants are important. we fix the system. We need them for, for construction, for agriculture, for hospitality, for transportation. Immigrants, How many do we need? You know, the market will decide. When they, and, and immigration, by the way, is at a record low. How many, how many people from, from Central America, what's the right number to let into the United States in your view? You know, I, I don't know. Is By the way, we 000? take in on average, and that last year was a little low. On average, we take on in a million legal immigrants a year on average. Okay, that's a significant number, and it's more than any other country allows in. And you know, you look at look what's happening in Central Europe. They are literally building walls around their their uh, countries to protect their borders and keep immigrants out. So um, because it's much more fluid there. That's much more fluid there. That's what they've decided to do. Uh, My point is, is that we're a very generous nation. We take in a million legal immigrants. And if you want to come here, you need to come here legally. Now, the idea of political asylum, you know, why does it take? Well, on average, it takes two years. To, to vet a refugee and have them come over through refugee status. But why? Because it's a very serious uh, thing that we do. When we look and at asylum, there's, there's, you have, it, to, it va- validate, you have those, to validate the, the, what's happening in terms of it, the, their, their persecution. Is it religious? Is it political? And that takes, and you've got lawless societies for which it's very difficult to make these checks. So we can't expect, I would suspect that if you are able to give political asylum or religious asylum, in less than three months, well, what type of vetting did you really do? It actually These are very complicated. To, to petition well, for a sibling. Me, yeah, more than no, 10 years. No, it does, absolutely. No, it takes more than 10 years for you to ask for It's about two and a half years. No. We had the, the expert on from World Relief talking for a, about for, refugees. For a citizen, for his or her about wife, two and perhaps. Two and a half years. 
Well, the point, the point that the president was talking about was also having the, uh, the whole process of review taking place in Mexico. The processing is done there. It's, it's a joint U.S.-Mexican thing, but they're not on the border. Now, does everybody think that's a good idea? But that's not in compliance with U.S. law. The law says if you're here should, and you ask for should help. The, we, should the law be changed to deal with the administrative situation the that we have The court says we the president cannot do that. They enough. came over by busting down a gate. Everybody saw it. Busting down a because gate to get the, the Mexico. Because we broke our no, own laws. No. Because we're no, letting I'm talking about, I am talking about the question. gate on the southern border should, of Mexico should that they this, broke yes, down. Should this, 2,000 right. miles from the U.S. border. They so then they should have asked for asylum. They, they snuck into Mexico. That's right. Right. They broke laws. They, 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 they fought. They had to use tear gas down there no, breaking, to stop Breaking them. laws, it's not like they committed murder. They're here because they're looking for so an you, opportunity you, to not so die. You, the, so the, what the other laws should we not enforce? Party, yeah. You what don't other care about lawbreakers. Just give me the you list. just don't. What other laws should we not enforce? I'm my, making a my list. My opinion is that you can do this in a way that's orderly and just. It's not orderly it? to break the law. Accordance, what is look, it? The president wanted to spend $200 billion dollars to do? put the army down there. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? What is a democratic For a fraction of the cost, we could have sent the Department of Human Services down there and processed everybody orderly, maintained the port down open. Down where? Down to the border. Maintained, done proper vetting. Like, there's no way that we can't process the people that are showing up. There's no, it's impossible. Could we process them in their home country? You are, you're kidding me. There were a number of minor children sent over with biometrics, people that were not, that were not their parent. That's they why were we have not biometrics. their relative. And you think that we could vet them Look, and when adequately? When we did Ellis Island, no. it was a question of that day. You were on, off the boat, you're mm-hmm. on the island, and you're in the U.S. Why does it take years now? And you know what else we did? We, kept, we actually sent people back because they, they didn't fit, fit our medical standards or, other, or otherwise were not going to be. Anybody that marched here. for days and days across saying, the desert is probably cannot, fit to be here can, and be no, a productive can, member of our society. You cannot compare the two. I, I can't? Different circumstances. What, why? Why? Because these don't look like us? No, not at all. Not that's not that's not the case Educate at all. Me. I'm telling you, you go to Ellis Island, you watch what they went through, and they actually did pull people out for all sorts of reasons and send them back because they did not meet standards. And you you can't. What percentage of that would you say that was? I don't know. I'll Less have to than ten percent, maybe. Could be. You know what? But okay. they were coming legally. They were coming that legally. That is not on what America is, is about. Jeannie, on top of, me, I'm sorry. Just, they were okay. coming legally. They were legally. There were no processed. laws back then. It's not legal versus illegal. It's a whole different here, ball here, game. Here's the thing. But when you say something, there were laws back then. That's why they went to Ellis Island Roberto, and were processed. Roberto, when you say that's not what America is about, correct? I say to 62 million people. They want to define what America is about. Their, their, their definition of America is let, don't let everybody in that wants to come in because there, there are hundreds of thousands of people in Central America who aren't in yet. They're, they're, they're getting ready for the next caravan. And at what point do we as Americans say, you know what, enough is enough. We can't take everybody that wants to be here. So how do we, how do we differentiate, and we were talking about this during the break, between persons who are fleeing death threats, persecution, personal persecution, religious persecution, etc., 
versus persons who are looking for better economic conditions. Because those are two different categories yes. of persons. It's easy for me to say that. Yes. I actually don't know how do you separate those two from each other. But somehow we have to be able to, as a society, figure this out. Well, can, also, but, de- but de- doesn't the fact that somebody would get into the United States, doesn't it mean, for the most part, that their economic condition would improve over where they're coming from? Yes. So they may not Absolutely. they may not say that we're coming there. Um, here's a good example. Let me ask you this yeah. for those listening around the country. You're one of the leading spokesmen in the Midwest uh, uh, for uh, gay and lesbian issues. You have been for most of your adult life. Yes. What is the position and what is the stature of gays and lesbians in Central America? Because not has not, not much has been said yes. whether or not in this caravan there are people who feel persecuted because of their sexual preference, you don't hear much about that. Actually, what was interesting is is the first caravan that came to Tijuana, the first hundred people were primarily gay and lesbian people, uh, you know, who, who made it to Tijuana, who tried uh, presenting themselves at a port of entry. So there is a great deal of persecution. Was it because... They were persecuted, or did they just want a better life in the United States? They'll be well, killed in Honduras. Well, I think many of them felt, many of them claimed that they were, their lives were threatened because of their sexual orientation. Whether that is true or not, I, you know, I'm not a fact finder. I didn't interview them. But if, if their claim is validated, does that give them grounds for political asylum in the United States? I would argue that it does. Okay. So let me, let me broaden the question. If, if that is a reason that someone is being persecuted in, in, in Central America, you know that gay and lesbians are being persecuted in many countries of the world, in the Middle East, in Russia, in, yes. in Ukraine. Everywhere. Does every gay and lesbian who's being persecuted in their country, do they have, should they have a right to come to the United States where they will be treated fairly. Why would we disadvantage them I'm, versus anybody I, else? That's I want to ask Michael that question. What, well, you're asking me where I draw the line. That's what you're asking. Yeah. Fundamentally. Yeah. And, 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 and by how, the way, how, how I'm the first one to tell you that I don't know where you draw the line. Yeah, but, well. but somehow you can't have this as a black or white issue. You can't say we're not going to let anyone in. And you can't say we're going to let everyone in. So – so it's actually we, – we want simple answers to an extremely complicated yes. problem. The courts have said the president doesn't have the power to shut down the port, and he has to follow the law, and that's what we're going to do. Art, do you have any uh, – do you weigh in with any suggestion here? This is a very complex issue. Uh, what, is a, what is a way to, to deal with it that maybe we're not thinking about? Keep in mind that the problem is so many people want to come to the United States of America – no other country in the world has this kind of problem. Right. People from Asia and North Africa especially want to go to Europe, uh, but it's not like this country serving as a beacon of light. Reagan made that important speech um, in Germany as a cognate to his emphasis on the fact that anyone can become a citizen of the United States. He was also very careful to tell advisors, make sure we handle this so nobody thinks of JFK. It's a continuing refrain in American politics, and we should feel good about that. Is there a larger role so for confi- Canada? Excuse there, me, okay. since it's, uh, to answer your question okay. further, since it's such, thank you for asking, it's such a confusing issue, why don't we emphasize the orderly process by which people become legal residents of this country? 
we are, in effect, penalizing the people that follow the law and follow due process when we give this tremendous emphasis, and both the president and the media collectively are guilty of giving tremendous emphasis to only one section, only one section of the challenge, illegal immigrants. I think the president, since I, I'm very upset by a lot of things he says and does as candidate and president, I think his suggestion of vetting people south of the border and collaborating with the government of Mexico is actually a good, constructive idea. He has a lot of bad ones. I think it's a good idea. Thank you I for asking. I also think they should uh, coordinate on, uh, on building some prisons that, uh, that deal with those who violate our immigration law. I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly. Are you headed to Los Angeles looking for the ideal place for you and your family to relax and enjoy yourselves? A place that combines a four-diamond hotel experience with a convenient location? It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. Just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City. At HiltonUniversal.com, they let you be the star in Hollywood. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Michael, uh, button up the story that that you were referencing. Uh, This was in World War II. It was before World War before II. World it was in November of 1938. Explain, yeah. explain what, what the story is and, and how it ended. Right after the, the Kristallnacht pogrom in Germany, uh, some 900-plus Jews boarded a ship to St. Louis in Hamburg, Germany, uh, set sail for uh, North America, first went to uh, Cuba to try to get admission. Uh, they were all illegal. None of them had visas to get to the United States. <coughs> Cuba would not let them in. Several... Other passengers actually jumped overboard to commit suicide to try to, try to try to draw attention to the plight of their fellow passengers. They tried getting to the United States. Roosevelt wouldn't let them in. They tried going to Canada. Canada would not let them in. Eventually, the ship's captain returned back to Hamburg, where at least a third of the passengers uh, ended up dying in concentration camps. And, and, and that's an extreme example. I recognize that. But keep in mind, in 1938, they were not fleeing extermination. The, the, the Nazi plans for extermination came years later. They were fleeing persecution because they were being persecuted as Jews. And your point is? We had a moral failure then, and it we had, now. Well, that's an extreme example of, a, of, of why you want to have political asylum. They, were, they should have received political asylum. And I think we all recognize that there was a mistake. So we the had United the Vietnamese States. boat lift, right? Right. Brought those so, folks so, in. So We've the question done becomes, this throughout history. Uh, my, and my to our is, benefit, I, it's in our interest. Where do we draw the line? And, and, and I keep asking that question because I don't know the right answer where we draw the line, but I know it's not a black or white issue. We need to figure out exactly. how we draw the line logically. Why, why we try, is, we why do is, what we can um, to keep other countries from turning into another Third Reich. Yes. That's one lesson, yes, right? Yes, yes, Economic development yes. and investment, which uh, also includes the rule of law. 
That's yes. one lesson for okay. them. Okay. Yeah. Right, and so but that's one thing that why, we should why be is doing. It, why is it, let me ask, why is it that so many Democrats and so many Jews revere Franklin Delano Roosevelt? If Donald Trump had done that, or if Donald Trump were to do something, the response would be every, every student in every school would know about it. Why is that piece of the Roosevelt legacy not held in a different or, or is it that I don't know about? Well, I, I, actually, I think it is. I think, I think many Jews view that as a stain mm-hmm. on the uh, FDR legacy that, that is a very strong legacy that at least he engaged, you know, he had an isolationist Congress and he engaged in land lease to, to try to give the British weapons and, and ships uh, and planes to be able to fight. And eventually, after Pearl Harbor, we entered the war. But and, and there was, of course, a lot of New Deal legislation that Jews, being more liberal, were very sympathetic to. But, but I think the St. Louis and the refusal to allow in refugees, there was an effort in 1940 to pass a bill that died letting in 10,000 Jewish children from, uh, from Germany, just, just Jewish ch- children, and, and the Senate wouldn't pass the bill. So it I is wanna- a stain on, on the legacy. Here's a question, by the way, this uh, we're getting questions coming in uh, via the Internet. Why is the American media showing more outrage over the murder of non-citizen Khashoggi than Ambassador Chris Stevens? Art Seer, let's let's broaden the question and talk about this is really what do we do with Saudi Arabia? This is really all right. This is really a different separate question. I think there was a lot of outrage and a lot of political debate in this country as well as moral discussion. About Chris Stevens. Not by the media. Not by the media. Not by the media. Not by the media. I agree. With Chris that. Stevens was a was a Republican led and fed outrage. It it was not picked up by the national news media in any way because it was an embarrassment to Hillary Clinton. Well, that's my your broader question. That's Barack your opinion. Obama, by the that's way. That's your opinion. My opinion is there was an extensive discussion in the media. There was an effort by the Republicans to politicize it. Uh, and there's still a lot of disagreement about exactly just what went on where. Um, accusations that somehow the Secretary of State prevented a military rescue of an ambassador who shouldn't have been where he was uh, didn't get traction. I think the less, lesson of – I'm not quite sure what your question is, but in terms of Saudi Arabia, I think uh, it, it shows actually that you can't get away with murder even if you're a feudal warlord and gangster, so what should we do? To. I think we should distance ourselves from Saudi Arabia. I think we should use our strategic leverage in a disciplined way, and as did President G.H.W. Bush and James Baker throughout that administration. We should put pressure on different countries in the Middle East. But we're now a net exporter, not just of finished gasoline, but of oil products. It's mm-hmm. one big, the, right. one big reason we, the price is so low. We don't need the Saudis the way we used to. Okay. So you do not think there would be any retaliation that would hurt the American uh, gasoline user? We hurt them. I mean, their retaliation would hurt their economy more than it would hurt us at this point. Yeah, so, I, I so think we, I think we have an interest. We could, we could we, be tough. We could be yeah. tough with Saudi Arabia. Yeah, we also need them as a military ally if we can, within acceptable moral boundaries, do that. I don't think the president should be talking the way he does. When you're president of the United States, there are a lot of things you don't have to talk about. I wish he'd kept his mouth shut, uh, condemned the murder, and kept his mouth shut about our need to work with Saudi Arabia. But also, what about uh, when, uh, when the Saudi uh, prince is doing high fives with Vladimir Putin? Should we be worried about 
the relationship between Saudi Arabia and, and, and Russia? Well, that, we were talking about that earlier, yeah. Yes. Putin has done a remarkable job of establishing regional leadership and, I believe, diplomatic dominance in the Mideast. Uh, we shouldn't just be fretting and worrying about it. We should have sustained disciplined foreign policies, as previous presidents have had, not lately. Let's go to Roger in Austin listening to us on KLBJ. Go ahead. Roger, you there? I'm here. You know what? <laughs> I put you on I put you on too late. I apologize <laughs> for that. That's my mistake. Well, uh, next week, I, I, call I, I, me I, I, back. You'll be our first caller next week, I promise. But our thanks to our guests, Michael Bauer, Roberto Montano, thank you very much. Art Sear from Carthage College, Jamie Ives. Thank you very much. This program is a Genevieve production. And our thanks to Fritz Goldman and Sam Greenberg and Dan Dorfman for their assistance in the production of the show. And let's I'm thank Bruce Roger. Dumont. Good night from <laughs> Chicago. <laughs>
It's the Hilton Los Angeles Universal City, just steps away from Universal Studios Hollywood, CityWalk, and NBC Studios. Just a short ride to the Hollywood Walk of Fame, TCL Chinese Theater, Warner Brothers, and other popular attractions. Enjoy spacious rooms offering breathtaking views and a world-class Las Vegas-style seafood and prime rib buffet every weekend and holidays. Share family fun and enjoy the oasis of the palm tree-lined pool and whirlpool. Relax in your own private poolside cabana with a cocktail or snack at your fingertips. Book your reservation today at HiltonUniversal.com or call 1-800-774-1500. The Hilton Los Angeles Universal City at HiltonUniversal.com. They let you be the star in Hollywood. <laughs> 